Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. I I hope you had a tremendous Mother's Day. I know I had a really fabulous weekend, spent some time with the family, with my daughter, with my husband, my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother, so lots of family time spent together. If you are... If you find Mother's Day to be hard, I just want you to know that I see you and I can, you know, sort of relate in my own way because I've always had, um, you know, a strained relationship with my own mother growing up. So Mother's Day was always a little awkward for me because it was mostly my grandmother who took care of me. So it was, you know, my grandmother's day. Uh, But since I've become an adult, the relationship with my mom has changed and adapted. So um, it's still interesting. And now that I have my own daughter, then I feel all sorts of different emotions, you know, with Mother's Day being a mom myself, and then also reflecting back on the relationship with my own mother and what had happened there. So lots of different emotions going on. And then you add in that my grandmother who raised me is no longer here on earth with us. So that adds in the grief component. So uh, it can be complicated is what I'm saying. So if you are, um, you know, struggling at all uh, yesterday or with Mother's Day um, and, or you, you know, there's a lot of different situations that can be going on. Maybe you want to be a mother. Maybe you were really close and you lost your mother. Um, Maybe you, have lost a child and you were once a mother, but I think you still are a mother at heart. Um, it can just be bring up a lot of emotion. So just give yourself grace, be kind to yourself. You don't have to offer anybody any explanation. Um, just give yourself grace is what I would say, because these can um, just trigger a lot of emotions in us. So bottom line, I hope you had a great <laughs> great weekend, whatever it was like. I hope that you were surrounded um, by love and um, and positive people. Uh, this week, we, ha- we definitely have a positive person that we are talking to. Her name is Amy Smite, and she is a clinical social worker out of Ohio. She's actually an entrepreneur. She has her own private practice. She's currently supervising and open to supervising LSWs and LCDCs (laughs) who are seeking independent licensure. So she is really a wealth of knowledge. She runs her own Facebook group called Behavioral Health Internship Supervision and Licensing Group. It has almost a thousand members and she didn't start it very long ago. So she's really doing a lot of really great things within her Facebook group. 
And this was one of those things that she's doing. So occasionally she will interview uh, professionals and go live in her Facebook group and just give the members of her group a special sneak peek, a special interview of her interviewing people. So I was blessed to be one of those professionals that she talked about. We talked a lot about clinical supervision, what the experience is like, and kind of give you a behind the scenes and an industry you know, update on kind of what the conversations that are happening. So this was recorded back at the end of March. So there may be some references, you know, to dates coming up in April, but I assure you have faith there. It, it is all relevant information. It is not old. And uh, that's March of 2022. I know sometimes we can listen to podcasts a little bit later. So Definitely, definitely excited for this. We give you some um, just behind the scenes industry updates on kind of what's going on with clinical supervision, how clinical supervisors are doing, kind of what are the themes that we're seeing. So we're going to listen to a quick ad from our sponsor and then hop right into it. This episode is proudly brought to you by the RISE Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Let's take a second. Here we go. Okay, we're live. <laughs> so, Yay! <laughs> well, I'm glad we finally got to connect. I know we've had some uh, technical difficulties and some <laughs> time zone difficulties, but I'm glad that you're here. So I know it takes like a second. It's like a little delayed, I think, on the whips, like on the pages, like, oh, they're live and then people can kind of log in. So, um, and I will be taking some notes as we chat a little bit so I can later post. I'm a little behind on my other ones, um, post in the group, like any um, information, like how they can find you or find your website um, and just different kind of notes from the talk that people can kind of look back at and have access to. So great, um, great. But, and then of course they can replay this at any time. So, um, but if you want to start with who you are and how you found Rise Directory. Sure. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me here, Amy. I love your group. Um, I am Catherine Moore. I'm a LCSW based out of Southern California. And I've been practicing social work since 2009. And when I when it came time for me to be able to be qualified to offer clinical supervision, I was really excited. And so I wanted to I, I did all the research, right? So I really wanted to see where was the, you know, the hub for clinical supervisors because I want to have all the tools. I want to have all the information. I want to have all the supports. And when I was looking for that, I realized that hub didn't really exist. And I was wondering too, I'm like, where do people go to market their services? I mean, once I take these classes and invest all this time and money into being able to offer clinical supervision, how do people know that I'm available, you know? So, I mean, I have a podcast, so I could have just done it there, but I thought what a disservice to other people. And this is why we are lacking in clinical supervisors. This is why we're short and why, I mean, at least in California, 
they had to expand it to be triadic instead of just individual to allow for that, um, you know, for other people to, to join in for the supervised. And we don't have to always be supervised by an LCSW because they're in short supply. And so once I discovered, well, it's, there's, there's no way to help them become clinical supervisors. I mean, no wonder we, we can't find them because there's nowhere yep. for them to go. So I decided to take upon this venture of creating this type of platform. So the RISE directory launched in August of 2021. And so we're still brand new. We're still a baby. And we are a national directory of clinical supervisors for social workers. Uh, but more than that, our mission is really to support the clinical supervisor in every way that we can. So that involves giving you a library of resources and tools, contracts that you need, you know, templates, ideas for clinical supervision, access to uh, research, what kind of articles are out there, and also to uh, access to peer support and peer consultation, because we found that a lot of people are just kind of feeling isolated and and lonely. So, and then uh, we're also doing uh, professional development type of workshops as far as finances. And uh, in April, really excited to have trauma-informed clinical supervision um, being offered for, for the community. So okay. that that is me and, and how we came to be. Okay. So are you guys having any plan um you know, kind of once you get up and running and, and you have, cause I'm not sure cause that's a big undertaking, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so as I, I, you know, I'm sure there's lots of kinks and things to work out and things that you want to grow. Um, but do you think there's any future plan to offer and allow, not really allow, but offer that same platform to MFTs, LPCs, um, psychologists? I know theirs is set up a little bit differently than ours. Um, but do you think you'll expand the platform to include some of those things? Yeah, it's definitely an option. And to be honest, it won't be an option for a long time, okay. like years, <laughs> okay. because we really want to get our footing in the social work industry okay. and just increase the awareness because it's a brand new service. We don't have anything like this, you know, that's been ongoing and long term. So it's a new concept for people. Uh, we just really are focusing in on the social work community, which even that, you know, is huge. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. people are and people are busy. So trying to get their attention with things like, hey, we're a new resource. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just file it away in their other resource pile. <laughs> yeah. I know myself. I see. I try and because, you know, there is a, a couple other platforms out there. But again, they're not really promoted. And I think I found them as like a search and but they don't do what you do in terms of like the resourcing the support the education the tools it's more just a connecting platform um you know so i've used um motivo mm -hmm. and mo jovi or jo yeah jovi or josie I, <laughs> I can't even remember. Right, yeah. yeah. Um i know it's got a j and like a z or v in there so it's kind of an interesting um interesting name. I've, I've had some luck with Motivo, but again, they're kind of, uh, now they like do like they charge and then they pay the supervisor out, but they charge the other person 
I'm sure an upcharge um, yep. to do that connection and you can utilize that platform and stuff, but they don't do any of the, the other resourcing that your platform does. And I know that I've kind of looked at your platform a little bit. Um, it is one that I want to add myself to <laughs> when Which I have I saw you on there. Yeah, I started my free one. And I was like, okay, when I have a moment, I need to upgrade um, to the paid platform because I do get the emails about the supervisions that you guys have or the trainings. And I'm like, these are fantastic. Um, but I know the last couple weeks, maybe when I've seen other people in other groups that are like, hey, how do I market my supervision? I've tagged this session as well as like, hey, Rise Directory is like a place that you can do that. So um, I do think that it is, yeah, just getting your guys' name out there and saying, hey, these are the resources that we offer. Um, what does that look like from a supervisee's perspective to get on there and try and find um, someone that they're looking for? Yeah, so we are just free to browse. So we, there's no there's no barrier. I've seen other places where they will they won't even let you browse. They'll do a matching thing, which oh. you know might work for some mm -hmm. people. But I know for me personally, I like to see my options. Yeah, and so that's why I wanted it open. And there's never any charge to any supervisee looking. So they can go on and type in their location or find their state and be able to instantly see all of the clinical supervisors that are available within their state. Okay. So it's Great. really very simple. Yeah. And then once we get, once we get bigger, well, you can do this now, but <laughs> usually we have a, couple, a handful of people in each state and, but once we get bigger, you can then also filter down to what your specialty is or what kind of setting you're interested in. Uh, we allow people with the full memberships to specify if they're hiring. So a lot of times people want to know, can I work there at the agency with you? Okay. Any option for internships? Yes, there is a little internship button there that says offer, you know, open to internships. So okay. I know that's a big need within the college space. Yeah. Uh, they, which is a lot harder to, to break into because they have their systems all set up and their mm -hmm. connections. Um, but you know, time, time and awareness. Yeah, absolutely. I do see that there's someone on, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them, or if there's a specific interest that you have in supervision marketing or rise director directory, please feel free to add that in the comments and then I can share it and we can we can answer that. So, um, and, and of course, go ahead. Yeah, I know that you provide clinical supervision and you've been doing yeah. that for a, over two years now, right? Um, I've been doing clinical supervision because um, I've been in the field just a little less than you. I got in in 2010 is when I um, graduated uh, with my master's and then immediately went on the track to get my independent. And then right after that, my supervisory designation. Um, so in Ohio, we actually have a designation of that. So it's a separate letter. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so each state has a little bit different process on how they do that. But um, so I've kind of unofficially supervised people for many, many years. Um, and then I took my first official supervision role um, as a clinical director at a drug and alcohol treatment back in 2015. So I officially Prior to that, I had had some student interns and in some of those types of things. Um, so I took my first like official role doing any types of um, supervision to people 
Um, and then it was after that when I went into private practice. Um, I went into private practice towards the end of 2019. <laughs> so of course, like right at right before the pandemic. Um, but uh, so I started doing private practice and I was like, you know, I really have an, an interest in continuing to help people um, through supervision. And I had gotten kind of fortunate to fall into an opportunity at a private practice. I don't do private practice there, but it was another private practice who was looking for someone to do some clinical and training supervision. So I, I do some documentation sign off for some people. Um, as well as doing their just general supervision. So I have some LPCs and MFT um, and social workers that I'm doing that clinical piece for, but then some of them are social workers who are also trying to obtain their eye. So um, so I do that. And then I have a couple other independent supervisees that I, I work with outside of that agency. Um, and then working towards doing like a supervision retreat um, oh, so fun. Things, uh, launching my own group practice. So I'll be doing some supervising there. Uh, so yeah, so I kind of do supervising in a lot of different ways. I also do, um, so I, I'm connected with Ohio State University here in Ohio. And I do liaison work for the university for the College of Social Work. So students who are in their placements need someone to check in with and be the liaison for the school. So I do that. Um, and then sometimes students are placed at placements that don't have a social worker or an approved social worker um, because they have to have so many years experience and and those types of things. Um, so sometimes this, at least Ohio State doesn't look like every school does this, but Ohio State <laughs> will um, contract a supervisor to do supervision for that student while they're in the placement with a non-traditional supervisor. Um, so I do supervise some students in that kind of setting as well. You are busy, Amy. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> and you run a Facebook group. <laughs> yes. And I will say, you know, I have to say, like, I have two two of my personal interns. One is for my my personal private practice with Jonasy, who's been active in the group. She's the one who kind of co-founded the group with me and has really been helpful. And then our group practice took on a couple of supervisees as well, like some interns. Um, and one of those interns also co-runs the group. So they have really helped me as some of my, my other things have taken up a little bit more of my time so that makes sure that the group is still active and getting what they need so that I can just interact and not have to take, I still like oversee like, hey, here's the questions we're going to ask and, and those types of things. But they've been really helpful for, you know, helping approve people to be parts of the members and, and some of that stuff as well. So it's been really great to have interns and they have a lot of value. I wish more people would take them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And on that, I mean, I know that interns and new supervisees, they do have a lot of value and it sounds like you really made it priority to, um, to take them on and to continue offering clinical supervision. I'm wondering why, what is your motivation for that? Um, you know, I think for myself, really early in the field, my first internship, I had a fantastic supervisor. And as well in my second year of my internship, um, I got to stay at the same agency, just kind of move around a little bit. And I had a really, really good experience. And I got really lucky that my first job in the field, I had a great supervisor. Um, and then, and I don't think I, I appreciated it, but I don't think I appreciated it until I had a really bad supervisor. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, ooh, I hadn't realized how much this was not good. Um, and then I think as the longer I got into the field, 
Um, I really like that teaching aspect. I'm also possibly teaching this fall at OSU. There so you go. <laughs> for uh, that to come back on if I got a class or not. Um, but so I really like the aspect of like training and teaching and helping. And it's a little bit different than therapy, but it's, you know, it's similar skill sets, but a little bit different. Um, and so when I got into a more, when I started having interns in, in the field, I really enjoyed the aspect. Um, obviously then having a bad supervisor, you know, I was like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to be that to somebody. Yeah. So how do I avoid that? Um, and then, you know, I think I started realizing, especially once I became that clinical director, I seen so many, you know, employees that we brought in, you know, clinicians who'd had really bad supervisors, who had had people who really failed them in terms of not helping them know what they were doing and getting their eyes and what counts and documentation um, and really guidance and support. And so I was like, okay, well, there's clearly a gap here <laughs> that people aren't really doing it. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of factors. I'm not saying that those people are trying to be bad supervisors. I think a lot of them are overworked. They don't, they want to do the admin supervision, supervision piece, but maybe don't really have time for the clinical supervision piece, like that professional development piece. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors into why people aren't maybe the best for that particular position or that particular role. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I really enjoyed that. But I also found that when I had students, they have a lot of really great questions that make you stay humble <laughs> and, and they make you have to stay on point. And so I really like that. So I don't have, I don't get too comfortable in a sense of, I don't know everything and I never will know everything. Now, granted, I work in substance use, so they will always keep you on your toes as well. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of why I think I've really enjoyed working with students and taking on supervisees um, for myself. So I felt, I felt just a passion in that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And it's, it's funny because it's taken me a long time to realize or to accept and be okay with the fact that we're never going to know everything in our field. And before it would show up as I'm feeling inadequate or I'm not very confident, but now I can just own it. I don't know everything. I know like this much about, <laughs> about yeah. everything maybe, or, you know, most topics, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So for what about you? So like you found yourself wanting to do the training and wanting to be a supervisor. What is it that really encouraged you to be a supervisor and then take on such a big uh, on undertaking of trying to provide an opportunity for those people who are wanting to give back and, and help the next generation of supervisors? Right. So I was really excited. I've been looking forward to this for years because like you, I enjoy teaching and I also do the podcast, uh, the Social Workers Rise podcast, which it gives me an outlet to, to teach and to collaborate with other industry professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really wanted to just talk to the younger generation and help them grow and kind of be that mentor and guidance for them. And I know that clinical supervision is really in high demand and is very much needed, even if you have... I found even if you've had a clinical supervisor at your work, you might not necessarily want to stay with them or you might not feel comfortable 
being completely honest with your boss. Yeah. Right. And, um, and so I, I, I began talking to people and hearing these stories and, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I felt, I just feel for people who have to be in that situation, who even feel like the environment is harmful or traumatic. And I just thought, you know, no one else is doing this. I'm, I kept, I gave up a long time ago looking to our, or our lead organizations to help us because <laughs> they'll just tell you, well, if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. Um, so, so yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do it. It's a huge undertaking and it took me a long time to like really digest this and say, okay, yes, this it, it's happening. It has to happen because it just kept being on my mind. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So some similar stuff in terms of like what brought us here, what we enjoy about it, you know, those types of things. So, um, Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS law and ethics exam, the ASWB master's or clinical licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now bonus TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses, including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, an introduction to suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. You kind of have taken on some extra stuff like podcasts and, and a directory. Do you have any tips for those individuals? And I, and I see people again, in a lot of group, Facebook groups, I try to be as active as possible. And I see things and offer, you know, hey, hey this is a good resource, check this place out. Um, but I see a lot of people, even more so recently, not just looking for supervisees, supervisors, but supervisors looking for how do I market? Like now I have my supervising designation or credential or whatever that looks like per the state. Where do I go to market? Because there really isn't a, there's my group, and then there's a clinical supervising social work group, but it's not so much for marketing as it is just for like resourcing and supporting. It does seem like I think a slightly newer group, but um, there isn't a lot out there. So what do you have in terms of tips to market yourself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, first start with the RISE directory. You can go there and you can sign up for free if, if money is really tight. But I definitely encourage people to utilize the entire either monthly or yearly membership because it allows you to really get specific into what your specialties are, what your passion is, 
the types of lived experiences that might be applicable to the supervision that you provide, the languages you speak. So it really gives you an opportunity to share the whole breadth of your experience. And in the narrative, put in a link there. Like I'm not trying to just keep you on my website, but put in a link to your website and direct them to, to where they might be able to find out more about you. So if you have, and here's another tip for really anywhere you go, if you have a, an intro offer, right? So it could be like they say a freebie, right? Yeah. Um, whatever might be applicable for you, but just a little quick tip that you think that supervisees might find helpful. You could link that there and then you're collecting their email address. And then once you get that, then you can follow up with them and introduce yourself, say, hey, you know, I'm Catherine, I am open for clinical supervision, or there's currently a wait list, you know, but I just wanted to reach out and introduce myself and see if you have any questions. And start that conversation with them. You're not trying to just sell instantly, which yeah. a lot of times people are just, they're trying to like sell you and you're like, whoa, I don't, I don't even know who you are. Right, right. <laughs> So if you can do that, and that's with anywhere, is just try to build those relationships. And even before you become able to offer clinical supervision, if this is something that you're pursuing or in the process of, start making those relationships now. Mm -hmm. um, a fast way that you could probably get some exposure is tapping into um, like podcasts. So okay. a lot of time, social work podcasters are looking for guests who can speak to specific topics, right? So right. For, so I would love to interview more clinical supervisors because I found that clinic, the topic of clinical supervision is not really discussed very much or as much as it should. Okay. And there's a lot of questions and mystery around it. Yeah. So you can approach social work podcasters, a lot of them, I mean, like over... <laughs> 50 or 100, who knows? Yeah. And they all have social workers as listeners. So you can tap into there, talk about, teach something, talk about your experiences and say, and by the way, if you're interested, listener, you know, I'm open for clinical supervision. And that can be a great way to get exposure to new audiences as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is just showing up regularly. If you want to do social media, show up regularly. Um, you know, I ideally every day, but I understand that's a lot of work, but at least once a week, yeah. right? To show that your account is still active, that you are still there. Cause I'll see some accounts like, wow, this looks great. This is perfect. But their last post was in 2021. I'm like, well, are they still there? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just um, staying, staying regular and keeping it up because marketing is, is about building relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not trying to push your services. It's building those relationships with the people who are going to need your services or need them right now. Um, but first, we got to find out, you know, who those people are and and if they're ready, if it's a right fit. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I 100% agree on the building relationships piece. And marketing is, it is work, <laughs> and it's it inspiring, is. and it can be overwhelming and and scary at the same time. Um, you know, so when I, I created like the social work journal, um, for like supervision for people, and one of the things that I have in one of those modules is networking because we don't, 
I don't think we do a great job at that in our education of our degrees of like, why is that important? It's not just like resourcing for clients, but it is networking for us. And those networking follows you throughout your career and has a lot of different opportunity for, for what that purpose could be, whether it's finding opportunity for supervisees, finding opportunities for job, um, finding out resources for clients, right? Like there's a lot of opportunity in just general networking, even with there's no real intention behind it other than, like you said, building relationships. I had someone from the group, I've had a couple of people randomly from the group just reach out and ask questions um, via my messenger. And, and I'm very willing to, you know, support them and answer those questions and, and help them any way that I can. Um, and there was one that I had spoken with, and I don't think I talked to her for maybe a month or two, maybe a little bit longer. And she randomly reached out and was like, hey, I know this is a long shot. Do you happen to know anywhere in a very rural part of Ohio, mind you, um, half the people party don't even know what the name of the city is, but, um, do you know any counseling centers down there? It's like, ironically, I supervise somebody at a counseling center down there. So here's the link. And she's like, how do you know everyone everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> like, because I take an interest in learning about where I can refer clients, learning about, different opportunities and different people. And so I make connections along the way and they've been very helpful when I'm like, Hey, I need to refer somebody here. I have a connection here where that might be really helpful. Um, so yeah, marketing is, is huge in so many different ways. Yeah. And that's a good point about networking. I have gotten quite a few referrals just because I have reached out to people who I was working with in the past. And I said, hey, you know, just following up, let you know what I'm up to. If you have anyone who might benefit from my services, send them my way. And this includes previous coworkers, organizations, um, the colleges that you, go, that you previously attended, um, and then also reaching out to the local groups. So if there are any local social work or, you know, counseling, whatever groups yeah. where new supervisees are gonna be hanging out at, reach out to them, let them know that you offer these services and to send anyone your way. And then, but don't just like leave it, but reach out to them on a, you know, sort of regular basis just to check in and, and let them know if, if you're booked, if you're, um, if you're still accepting clients. Um, I actually like getting those updates from colleagues. Yeah, I do too. So, um, and there's lots of people I'm like, I haven't really talked to you a lot in the last couple of years and reach out and check in and you, you never know what that looks like for them. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I like that. So yeah. any tips on, um, so in that marketing, do you think it matters what they're marketing or is it just somewhat being consistent and present? That's a good question. It does matter what you're marketing. <laughs> So if you specifically want to obtain supervisees and say you're in, um, I don't know, a private practice that helps uh, people with anxiety, for example, you want to stick to what, what, like who you want to attract, right? Sure. And you want to set yourself up as a leader within that particular niche or that area. So you can talk about common problems, um, success stories, you know, maintaining confidentiality, of course, um, uh, but just topics relating at all to that area. Okay. Um, if you go on and um, say, hey, I'm going live tonight, 
And then you start talking about what you're making for dinner and your pot roast. And you direct me to your cooking website. I'm kind of confused now. Right. Or if you start talking about gardening, I'm like, are you, what, what is going on here? So, <laughs> so make sure that it stays within the niche that you're trying to attract people to, because people are going to find you. They're going to see, oh, wow, Amy provides a lot of value. She's so smart. She's such a leader. Let me reach out to her instead of you having to cold call people and track people down. It's more yeah. of a, an attraction. You attract the people that you want there. Right. Um, but if you start talking about other things, then that's getting away from who you're trying, you know, what is the whole purpose of you yeah. being online? Okay. Um, so any other general tips for supervision? Maybe it's training. Um, I know I've asked the board, it's been probably a couple of years ago here in Ohio, I'd ask like, so how do you guys know that the people that you are allowing to be an S are qualified really to do that other than... I've had years of experience and I've taken X amount of CEUs saying that I can do supervision because there's no requirement on like what is required in that supervision training where just it supervision. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you think that someone can build a really quality foundation to be a supervisor where they can find some of those resources and trainings? Obviously your website would be a great place to start. Um, but some, any other of those tips, yeah. So right now, I mean, I, I wish we had a full supervision course for you to take, but we we're building up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, seek out supervision trainings in, in your areas through organizations and really, really pay attention. You know, don't just do it for the CEUs, right? It's like you can, you can get free CEUs anywhere, but that doesn't mean you're really learning the material. So really find trainings that interest you. For example, we have the upcoming training on April 8th and 15th on trauma-informed clinical supervision. So if that is an area that's important to you, you know, join us, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so seek out those trainings. And then the other thing that I would, I would encourage as far as how to really feel prepared is seek out other people who are already doing the work that you want to do. So start making relationships with other clinical supervisors in your state or within your specialty, uh, because you, you know, having those relationships and those conversations are just so valuable. And people, I mean, they'll tell you, like, you have questions about clinical supervision, they will tell you we are such a helping profession, which is what I love. Um, and that was, and peer support was actually the number one um, area that came out in our market research of what people really needed is that they wanted peer support and clinical consultation. So that's why we started first with the uh, clinical consultation support groups. Okay. Yeah, I think that's, um, I, I think I agree. I think that's hard as supervisors. Sometimes we don't have the same support perceivably that our supervisees have, right? Like if they're in a group setting, they kind of have support or they might have it from their colleagues. Um, but especially those of us who are kind of doing it um, in a more contractual type setting, we are usually pretty solo in that. Um, but even, you know, as a, a clinical director, I remember feeling very isolated in my role. Um, you know, I couldn't go talk about some frustrations or concerns or those types of things with my colleagues, because they were all 
my supervisees, right? So having a, a healthy boundary there. Um, but then everybody else that worked there was admins really couldn't understand where that clinical piece um, was needed. So yeah, I agree. Like peer support is super important and very needed. And I see that in lots of the Facebook groups that I'm in. People are like, hey, who wants to create a peer consultation group? <laughs> because we need support. And like you said, like feeling very isolated. Um, I think because of the pandemic, I think it's opened up a lot of virtual opportunities for us, um, but has a counter you know, effect as well, where it has created a lot more isolation for people for a variety of different reasons and trying to fill those gaps and those holes are really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that term isolation is one that I've heard a lot of people say is that they do feel isolated and alone for all of the reasons that you mentioned. And so they were, they're just craving the support and this uh, space to just be able to vent, to talk openly with other people who get it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause we can talk to our friends, but they really, if they're not in the field, it's just, they, they yeah. <laughs> can't get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and plus it's an ethics thing. Mm -hmm. And, and liability, because that's in there where we need to be consulting and finding out what other people within the industry would do and how to appropriately yeah. respond. So it really shocks me that there's not more um, peer consultation groups available. Yeah, I just I, I do wonder if that is partially because not that we're not capable, obviously, of free thinking and thinking outside the box, but you know, again, the board doesn't say like, oh, you should have this. It just says, here's your license and renew every two years with, you know, X amount of CEUs. Um, but we're not really encouraged or directed to do that. So I think a lot of times it's just, we don't know, kind of, we don't know what we don't know. And so I think that has been an opportunity sometimes of the virtual world is now people are a little bit more online going, hey, I need support. Oh, I need support too okay, well, let's do something about that support. Um, whereas before, I think people didn't use it so much in that context. So we were just like, well, I'd like it, but I don't even know where to find it, you know? And there's mm -hmm. no, again, there's no central place where we can go look for a peer consultation group, you know, because the board is just going to have a list of people who are supervisors. They're not going right. to have a list of consultation groups or support groups. And I understand to some degree why, they don't want to continue to take on more and more and more. Um, they have a lot on their plate already, but yeah, there is a huge ethics and liability risk to not having that consultation. You know, it's kind of like supervisees, you know, they can document that they've talked to a supervisor, right? Which is their consultation mm -hmm. if they have a concern or something has come up, but where and then lies our liability if we don't have anyone we're consulting with. So. Yep. Yep, exactly. And that's really my vision for the RISE directory is to be that go-to hub and have the support and workshops and everything that you need just in one place to make it so easy yeah. or as easy as possible. I don't think clinical supervision is ever right. going to be easy. No, no. Yeah, because there's, yeah. there's some things that I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to look into that for you, um, yep. which is why, like when I had that that meeting with the board a couple weeks ago, um, part of the reason I have that relationship is because I don't, I, I mean, I kind of have people in my field, like my business partner, she's an S, so she supervises. So like sometimes her and I 
um, do a kind of our own peer consultation and, and usually impromptu. Um, but we do check in with one another, but I would definitely like to, um, to attend some of those peer consultations and have some of that additional support um, as a supervisor. But if I don't have an answer, I just reach out to the board. And I have that one go-to, Margaret. I just email her, and I'm like, I know this probably isn't your your piece of the the field, but um, you know, what is the answer to this? I can't find clarification, and I'm really unsure. Um, and you know, and she's always been very responsive, and I've been very fortunate that she has been very helpful and responsive. And if she doesn't know the answer, she'll CC anyone at the board and who would be that person to answer the question. Um, you know, but there's there's been stuff where I've had supervisees that have had some questionable ethical stuff happen. And I've just said, Hey, can you give me a call? And her and I have processed and talked through what we do. And then for me, that is my like, Hey, I talked to the board. Right. There you go <laughs> to do. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, but it's always good too to get the feedback of like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking from a board's perspective. And, you know, it's been good to say like, Nope, absolutely. This is, this is what we would say to you to do. And this is, you know, you seem like you're doing the right process of understanding, you know, making sure whoever is protected, you know, those types of things. So it's always nice to have kind of some feedback from the board too, to know my clinical judgment is pretty sound. Um, and, but, um, but, you know, I also wanted to create a relationship with the board that they're not as scary as they seem. Um, right. So, you know, they already have enough on their plate. They don't want to be taking your license away. Um, so just ask the questions. But I do understand that some states are less, um, I don't know if it's less funded, so therefore they're less staffed. And, and so their response times usually aren't as um, as quick. But I yeah. will say Ohio has been, I, I've been very fortunate, at least myself, to have quality communication with them. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. I know um, in California, they're less available. But what impressed me is recently, maybe within the past six months or so, they've been doing a Facebook Live every Friday. Oh, and okay. that's kind of like the secret way to get your questions answered quickly by the board is to join their Facebook Live. <laughs> ask the question there, which is probably not the most effective or private way. It's definitely not private, but Sure. But if you have a general yeah. question, that would exactly. be exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Interesting. That's good to know. So um, definitely have to put that tip out there. Like, hey, if you're in California, this is how you might be able to get quick answers to more general questions. Um, but uh, I wonder how many other states are maybe doing something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool because yeah. it, it shows that they're, again, they're being visible they're being consistent. They're building relationships. They're showing that they're trying, which yeah. is the, the main message I get is we're doing our best up here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I see some people kind of popping in and out. And if you guys have questions, feel free to ask them um, in the comments and I'll make sure that we can we can answer them. Or if you have something specific that you're here for, um, please put it in the comments what, what those questions are interests are and we'll make sure to either recap if you've missed it or answer them directly if you haven't um, if we haven't went over those yet so yeah awesome um i did want to mention for people who are looking for clear clinical support we have our group that's every third wednesday of the month and right now it's uh 10 a.m pacific time to 
or slash 1 p.m. Is that right? 10, Eastern, 11, yeah. 12, 1. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Eastern time. <laughs> Um, which has been, it's been helpful. So, um, and I can share with you, if it's okay, share with you the links to that, to have people register. It's uh, first come first serve. We do limit the number to keep it more intimate. So. Yeah. Yeah. So is that just like a general peer consultation group or is there another purpose for that particular group? Uh, clinical supervisors, peer consultation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So general, you don't have to be a social worker to attend. Um, And also, too, you don't have to be a social worker to be on the directory, depending on your state. So so some people who have other licenses can supervise social workers in their state. Right. Um, So you're welcome to come on in. Yeah. So, you know, I know that, um, you know, you said you guys are really lack of social supervisors in California. I think in Ohio, we have more now, whether they're open to taking supervisees, right, is a kind of a different story. I think we're a lot more short on MFT supervisors than we are social work supervisors. Um, I will say I've had a lot more people have trouble finding PC supervisors as well. Um, I, I don't know why that is. I know we in general have a lot less MFTs in the state as a total because um, I, I, I'm supervising an MFT for clinical supervision, but I th- think because of my group, I was able to get connection for a supervisor that she was unable to find. And I think they're meeting this Saturday to see if they're a good fit so she can get her supervision. But um, it's there's really almost none in the state of Ohio. And um, so it's very difficult, but we don't have any official cross supervising um, authority yet. So I know when um, Brian from the board was on, he said that, you know, if you're an MFT looking for supervision because of the lack of them, you can request like a hardship almost with the state and then they'll let you supervise, but only a certain amount of hours under an LISWS or an LPCCS. Um, But right now, LSWs and PCs, we don't have the ability to do that. So we can be supervised in terms of the clinical sense. Someone signs up for a license, our notes, those types of things by a cross um, licensing, like a cross uh, license. But in terms of trying to get our independent license or a supervision designation, um, it has to be within our license designation still. So, which is kind of unfortunate because it would be very helpful if we could just kind of um, I know that we have different treatment modalities and our educational background is different, but um, it would be much easier for people if they just had that kind of flex. So so in California, you guys kind of, is that how you guys have it set up? Is like, as long as it's a supervisor, they can supervise you? Yeah, for a certain number of hours. Okay. So, so that's another thing that people will run into is that they get a job, they acquire their, I don't know, it's, I think it may be half hours. I'd have to check the specific numbers, but they acquire the numbers with a counselor, let's say. And now they're like, well, shoot, what do I do for the rest? Because they can either stay in this job that they really like and they enjoy, or they could look for another job just yeah. for the clinical supervision hours. Yeah. But, you know, with the RISE directory, you can reach out to another social worker in your area have them contract with your boss or your agency. And there you go. It's done. Problem solved. 
Yeah. I think that's a really good point too, because some people are like, I have to pay for my own. Now, if there's a value to keeping you one at the current employment um, and they know that you're going to have to get that supervision and maybe outside of the agency, but they want to be able to retain you as an employee and there might be additional benefit, right? Of once I've went up into that clinical independent role, um, there might be additional benefit to the agency as well. They may be willing to pay for that supervision. Um, and I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration or even think that that's an option for them. Um, in some places, of course, it's not, but it doesn't hurt to ask mm-hmm. if that is an option. So I think that's a great point to make. Yep. Part of the negotiation say, hey, boss, I like you, but I got to go unless you can pay this bill here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good point, too. Um, hadn't really thought about making sure people are aware of that that potential opportunity of like the negotiation. Um, again, our education, and, and rightfully so, probably doesn't teach us business skills. It doesn't teach us how to credential. It doesn't teach us marketing or negotiation skills. <laughs> nope. Which honestly, I think negotiation skills would be helpful for us and for our clients. Absolutely. Because especially if you're looking, I guess we would call it harm reduction, right? Which is essentially a negotiation. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, look, work with me here. Can we work on an agreement? (laughs) Yeah, because we advocate a lot, right, for our clients. But sometimes I think we struggle or know how to advocate for ourselves in those foreign areas. We can have like a passion of like, I will figure out how to advocate for this client no matter what. But then when it comes to ourselves, we're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We're like, ah, it's too much work. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, I've, I know myself, I'm just like, I will just keep asking until I figure out the questions. But so many people, they get overwhelmed by that. And so they just don't. Or we just don't have the energy. I mean, we're just trying to make it through our day at work and get licensed and trying to pay the bills. But by the end of the day, man. I don't have the energy to pick up a phone and call one more single person and wait on hold forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're going to wait on hold pretty much everywhere it seems. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually on a really positive note, I had a previous supervisee. Um, she left last year to go to another place. So I wasn't her supervisor anymore, um, but we had stayed in contact and uh, she recently passed her, her exam and got her independent license. She was very excited. And she's like, okay, how do I get my ass? Like, what does that look like? Um, and she was very surprised that I was like, you know, not a lot of people actually want to get their ass or try. And she's like, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to like help the next generation of people and just get that license. And I was like, well, they're not all you. Right. <laughs> but, but I'm glad that we have you and that you will be you know, in a year's time, because I don't know how it works for other states. Like once we have our eye, we have to wait a year. And then there's so many things that we have to do here in Ohio. Like, I think it's like nine hours of supervising um, CEUs um, and a year post your eye where then you can apply for your S. So that's kind of what that looks like here. Um, so I was like, well, in a year's time, then you can supervise people and I can help you with that next step of the process. So um yeah. That sounds so bad. I mean, here in California, it's two years post-licensure. Okay. And I forget how many CEUs. I want to say like nine or 12, something random like that. CEUs in clinical supervision. 
Um, but again, I mean, it's, it's just amazing that there's not really that many courses specifically there's, for clinical supervision. No. And that's one thing as for my group practice that we're, we just started. Um, that is one of the next things I'm doing is trying to figure out the process of getting us, I think it's called program sponsorship. So at least in Ohio, I'm not sure, but it looks like everywhere else, but so that we can offer trainings and CEUs for those trainings and clinical supervision is one of those um, training topics that I, I want to kind of either have tr like training series on, you know, even if they're just like one hour luncheon. So people can attend on their lunch um, and really work towards getting that support and that supervision training aspect. Um, mm. Because yeah, I have a really hard time myself trying to find one quality trainings, but two just general trainings and supervision because I do have to do so many hours every, you know, two years or whatever. Um, but, but a lot of them are, they're not live. They're just, you read them and then you take a test, which is like, yeah. okay, but it's not really the best, at least not for me, I should say. It's not my best way of learning. So, right. um, so I'd like to offer that type of training for other people. Yeah. Yeah. We've looked into CEUs because eventually we'll be a CEU provider, but man, um, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah. And it's expensive. Can... Yeah. So are you guys just looking statewide or are you looking for like the national accreditation type process? National. Yeah. yeah. With the ASWB, um, okay. which is, it's not, I mean, it's not so bad, but it, for a small organization who's just starting out, I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I would love to offer CEUs for the, for the trauma-informed clinical supervision, but part of their requirements is that you have been doing workshops for, for a couple months and that you wait, it, the whole process takes six months to get you approved. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm like, well, I, and then I'm like, I don't want to wait until what would the, I don't know, October to start scheduling workshops, you know, because right. again, then they would say, well, you haven't done workshops in six months. What do you do? So yeah, it's a catch 22. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. That's a little bit harder on a bigger scale. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, I'm not going to go do it state by state. So I need no. to do the all or nothing kind of um, position. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then each state is different. So even for California, it's a, more expensive just to be in California. It's like $700 through the right. NASW. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, for new applicants. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it feels like they almost don't want you to offer CEUs because they make it so hard. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting because you have to do so many. So they think they would want to provide as much opportunity as possible, but that's probably just one less thing they have to then govern and process. So less competition too. That's true. That's true. But sometimes they're, well, not sometimes, a lot of times competition is really good um, so that you have quality over out there rather than just, well, only option is to do trainings with so-and-so and they're not really that great. Mm -hmm. so. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I agree. Competition is healthy. Um, some organizations are not about that competition life. Right. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, okay. 
anything else you want to add as we go to wrap up for the hour? And um, like I said, I've seen some people hop on and off. No one's been bold enough to ask a question if they had <laughs> them. Um, but of course, you guys can later um, put hashtag replay or, or comment your questions and I'll answer them. And, and Catherine's also in the, the group, so she's um, allowed to answer them as well as she wants to. Uh, if you have a specific question for her or her directory or her podcast. Um, so, but anything else that you want to add or that you think is important to kind of leave a note on? No, I mean, just keeping up the good fight. You all are doing an amazing job. You are so vital to our industry. Clinical supervisors are the foundation of mental health services in the United States today. So I just applaud you guys for all of the hard work. I know that it's taking on extra duties, extra responsibilities, but you all do it because you're passionate about it. You just love helping to educate and helping the next generation rise and grow. So just a round of applause for you. I agree. Thank you. Well yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. if you guys, if you guys wanted to connect with me, um, I can leave my, my information, but we're at the risedirectory.com. There's resources and tools on the website. We're currently expanding the resources section. We have the peer consultation every third Wednesday of the month, which is free and open to everybody. We have our um, trauma-informed clinical supervision that's coming up in April, April 8 and 15. And then, and there is a cost for that. It's only $27.99 for both workshops. And then we do have our free financial workshops that we're doing every month around things like getting organized, budgets, taxes, everything that we need to know about finances, but we're never really taught. A hundred percent. Yes. So, okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I know we had a little, a couple hiccups getting here, but I'm so glad that we were able to get here. Um, I know you and I've randomly connected through, I think other groups and stuff. So we're, we're in a lot of the same groups, but um, it was a pleasure to have you on and thank you so much. And I definitely will be upgrading my, my membership soon. I just have to get through the week. Um, yes. but, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to all the opportunities that your, um, your website provides us supervisors and supervisees. So. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having Thank me. You. Yep. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of social workers rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.